glad to have you here this morning. We just praise God for you. It's awesome. So it's good. Did you have a good week? Anybody like the cold weather besides Nicole? <laughs> just checking. Just checking. Well, there's um, um, a lot going on. There's a whole lot going on. And uh, this morning we were praying for the world. I remembered what the second thing was. I said, you know, yesterday in the National Cathedral built to worship Christ uh, in our capital, yesterday they had a Muslim service. And I don't know if you know about that or not. And, and I said it, I'll say it again here. That was stupid. And um, that's really dumb, you know, to, to do that and think that that's okay. And, um, you know, I, I know that not everybody would agree with me, but, you know, there's a period of time where you just wake up and you just say, you know what, that was stupid. That was dumb. But let me, it's, a, it's the climate that we live in today in America. The other thing was this morning we wake up and it looks like there's another American hostage that was beheaded. Um, so that's another one that ISIS has beheaded, you know, and yet, you know, I, I really want to commend Lee because she posted something this morning. Uh, the devil is going to attack you, you know, and here's the thing. Here's all this stuff happening. The answer and the hope and the power is in Christ. It's in Christ. Nowhere else are you going to find the freedom that Christ brings you. Now, I, I, I get it that the church has misrepresented that for quite some time. They've represented God as a grumpy old man up in heaven ready to strike you down as soon as you mess up. I get that. But the true freedom really is represented in God. And even though people have misrepresented him, misrepresented him he really is the love that will set you free. And it's awesome. And yet, when all this stuff is going on, and it looks like the, you know, let me ask you this question. Do you care about people? Do you really care about people? Do we really care about people? Do we really care about God? Do we really care? So, we've got all this stuff going on. If we really care about people, would we not be going after God with everything we have? If we really do. Because if we go after God, it's going to help people. If we care about God, will we not go after Him with everything we have? The devil's going to attack you. He's going to say, you know, like he told Lee this morning, you don't want to go to church today. She posted, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but basically, tell me if I'm wrong, Lee. Basically, she's like, I woke up, I didn't feel like going to church. She said, and I was asking God, please, not, don't, don't let me go to church. Please, you know, can I, will you give me a pass to stay home today, Lord? It's cold outside, you know, whatever. I don't feel good, right? And then J Jacob came in there and she said, what do you think about staying home, watching online? We got live stream, you know, this and that. And, uh, and, she, and Jacob said, I'm going to church to learn about God. And Lee said, you know what, that's exactly right. And then she said a few minutes later, Jacob said, I'm not feeling good. And she realized, and this is why she was posting it, I had opened up that door. And I, I read a thing yesterday that said this. It said, um, when, you, when you open up the option... 
to have an excuse to not go to church. You just gave the devil an assignment. <laughs> when, and here's, here's what we were talking about before. Now she's sitting here. See? She made the right choice. Which would you rather have? The one that says they're going to do something, but then they don't go? Or the one that says they're not going to, but then they end up doing the right thing? You see, that's, that's a better testimony. I, I praise God. That was such an awesome... That blessed me so much. And for you to be here, what a great, great choice. Hey, here's the thing. The devil, it, the devil cannot... You know, Jesus said this. He said, All power and authority is given unto me. And when Jim Hockaday was here, he said this. He said, how much power does that leave for the devil? Zero. So the only power that the devil has in your life is whatever you give to him. The only reason why an excuse can come up for you not to be in a place that God wants you to be is because you've given him that option. You have made it an option in your life. Now, does that sound like we care about people, or does that sound like we care about God, or does that sound like we care about ourselves and our comfort? Now, y'all are here this morning. It's awesome. There may be some people that are you know, under conviction of what I'm saying by, by being online, and I'm glad. I'm glad you need to be under conviction. You need to join up with a local body because the local body of believers is how this message of God and the gospel was carried forth. It's individual uh, fellowship between people. That means, that means a lot of times physical contact between people. And I'm telling you, you need to be in a family. That's one thing we have here that's been so awesome for so long. It's the love of God makes this a family. And you can't have it without being here. You can think you have it. You can enjoy some of it. Uh, who was it that was telling me the other day uh, when they were watching online? I think it was Priscilla. She said, it is not the same anointing as being there. I said, I know. I know that. It's very, it's very clear. There's something about the touch in God. That means physically being there. And we can see there's a lot of people missing today. A lot of people traveling. Y'all are here. Praise God. That's very good. And this is not just for you, but it's something to keep in mind. The devil is going to attack. Are you ahead of that time seeing that there's an option to do what's right or what's wrong? If you think that there's an option or you're giving yourself an option to comfort or to whatever else, then he's going to take advantage of that, see that as an assignment, and do everything he can to make you end up on the, on the ungodly side of that option. This is who he is. Are you expecting anything different? Are you expecting anything different from the devil? If, he, if you were his enemy, would you not do the same? Not give him an option? If you were a good enemy, you wouldn't. So we have to say, am I opening up options in my life that aren't God? Am I giving, am I giving the devil options that I should never be giving him? Am I giving him options? Am I opening up the door for him to take an assignment up against me and I mean just shove it down my throat? Am I giving him that? Am I seeing options where there should not be options? There's a scripture 
And uh, I'm thinking it's Timothy. You can go ahead and turn there if it's different, I'll tell you. Yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter two. Now I was I was in the military and and in the Marines and one thing that I didn't realize about being in there was this I didn't realize in the Marines that I would be I would learn in there some of the greatest principles I've ever known about how to live a Christian life. <laughs> I was not expecting to go to boot camp and combat training and learn how to be a good Christian. I wasn't learning that. But there's some principles there that are huge. Now the main difference between, you know, the military and the kingdom of God actually uh, are structured very, very similar. The biggest difference between the military and the kingdom of God is this. The biggest difference is this. One runs on a system of fear and one runs on a system of love. Now, the system of fear works. Why? Because we give ourselves to fear, and, and it worked kind of like this. It was, it was like this. Uh, recruit, if you don't do this, I'm going to knock you in your face. And I was like, I don't want to be knocked in my face, so I'm going to do this. Actually, it, you know, it really says, well, I'll hold that comment for a second. But, or, or if you don't do this, you're going to go PT out in the sand in what we called the pit. Just a big sandbox. It wasn't fun like it was when I was little. It was, that was not a fun sandbox. I didn't like that sandbox. There were no toys in that sandbox. There was nothing but sweat in that sandbox, right? I mean, it just stunk. Go out there, push-ups, push-ups. You know, you're all sweaty and everything. Get sand all over you. And uh, it was just not awesome. Not awesome at all. And, you know, if you uh, don't do your duties, you know, you fall asleep at your post, you can come up on general orders and you can be taken to the brig and it's, it's operated on fear. And you know what? It works. You know why? Because we are beings because of our environment, because of our upbringing that have been raised to operate very well in fear, to let fear motivate us instead of love. Now, as a Christian, you should never let fear motivate you. Something There's pressure from the world. Uh, there's pressure in any other way. You should never, never, never let fear motivate you. Amen? Brian, this does not sound like spiritual fitness. I got some great graphics, and it looks so awesome. And it appears that's not the message today. So I didn't know it until I stood up here. So, Amen. <laughs> Praise God, you get to go on this trip with me. I'm so happy. So <laughs> we're going on a trip, and we all get to go together. And, and we get to see it all together. So this is awesome. Here, here's the other thing. The kingdom of God, though, is structured very similar. There's a rank. There's a structure. There's a mission. There's plans. There's a chain of command. There's so much stuff that's so very similar to the military. The only difference is it is moved and motivated by love. And you know what? Love doesn't work real well in this corrupted world in the minds of people. Now with God, if we will give ourselves to that love, it works beautifully. But people are more motivated by fear in this world than they are by love. You want to prove that point? 9-11, the attack on American soil. The churches were 
field. Why? They were fearful of another attack. They were fearful of something else. All of a sudden, they turned to God. Israel, right? They'd go, they'd go, they'd go. They, they'd live this life. They'd go after God when they needed Him. When He showed up and He supplied all their need, they'd walk away from Him. Then they, they, because they walk away from Him, it's only a matter of time before they need Him again because it's going to lead you to those places. And then they'd show up, show back up to God. What was motivating them to go to fear? I mean, to go to God. Fear. What was motivating them to go to God? Fear. I have a need. If this need isn't met, I'm going to be in trouble. Fear. I know preachers that will stand up and they will preach a gospel of fear completely opposite to the gospel of freedom and love. That's what's wrong with it. That's what's wrong with that. They'll say, you need a little fear. You know, you better instill the fear of hell in them. No, I need to instill the love of God and let them see how much God loves them. That's what the Word says. The Word never says that I'm to motivate you by fear. He says there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. In other words, our message is a message of God who is love. If I'm preaching fear, I'm actually preaching the opposite of perfected love. I'm preaching the devil trying to get you born again that way. It's the wrong way to preach the good news. I mean, just in contrast, I mean, it's a, it's a fear, good news. They don't go together. Fear and the gospel is good news. They don't go together. Love, good news. They go together really well. But people, how many people have ever read the stories about Israel and all of a sudden you see these stories about Israel and it's like, man, they're up, they're down, they're up, they're down, they're back to God, they're away from God, they're back to God, they're away from God. And it's like, and you read the stories and go, would they not just get their act together? Don't they know God loves them? Don't they know? Won't they just wake up? Look around. How many times have you been that same person? And what motivated you was fear, not love. It is, it is a complete bad testimony of our society that says fear works better than love does in our lives to motivate us. What does that say about us? Now, look, when God has loved us so much to pour out His Son, as a testimony of Jimmy and uh, Roger, they, they, the, they took that whiteboard yesterday, and, and they went and they put the whiteboard in this frame, and it's on rollers, and it looks awesome. It's so great. Thank you guys so much. It's going to be really great for the kingdom of God. And I, and I put in, they, you know, Roger put some pictures. I said, thank you guys. Just from, I just wanted to let you know from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, that's what I was doing there. I said, thank you. And, uh, and Jimmy's response basically was this. When Christ gave his life for me, what other response is there but to do things like that? Amen. What a great response. And that's exactly right. So here's the thing, when you have a father that loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you and to bring you the fullness of salvation, 
what other response should there be that, but that I will give my life for you, Jesus? But that response is motivated by love, not fear. And so in other words, you ought to see, I mean, churches ought to be so full, not just for the sake of filling up a church, but because people are going after God and congregating and doing His things. You ought to see so many people healed and delivered on the streets because people have gotten so full of God, it's just overflowing. The anointing of God's overflowing out of their lives. You ought to see people telling people about Jesus everywhere, giving them a good testimony. Why? Because they've given themselves to God. But that's motivated by love and not fear. And so what happens, what happens when you continue to be motivated by fear? Well, when you're motivated by fear, perfect love casts out fear. When you're motivated by fear, you're actually separating yourself from love. So when you start moving in fear, you're actually moving away from love. That means you're moving away from God. Yeah, this... Um, <laughs> this morning or last night there was a kids channel that Luke was watching and it was singing Mary Had a Little Lamb I never realized how prophetic a song Mary Had a Little Lamb was I know that most people say yeah Mary had a little lamb talking about Jesus but then it goes on to say in the next couple of verses that Jesus or excuse me the lamb followed her to school one day and he wasn't allowed in school <laughs> and I went oh my gosh how prophetic is Mary had a little lamb? Because we pushed ourselves away from love because we've been motivated by fear. And now what happens when you actually move yourself away from love? When you move yourself away from God? You're moving in fear. You're moving away from God. What's left to happen? But to start going downhill. And to start going downhill. Now God has the best life available ever for you. The best ever. I mean it's awesome. There are no counterfeits. It's all the real deal. Love straight from his heart. Everything that we look at that, that our flesh desires is all a counterfeit of the real goodness of God. And the devil's tricked us into going after more of what's the flesh because we fear that we can't have what makes us feel good. Yet if we will go over by love into God, we will find that right there is the best thing ever and there's no counterfeits, there's no hangovers, there's no hang-ups, there's no nothing but the goodness of God. And it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome. But because we're more motivated by fear than we are love, we end up not being prepared, not being ready, not being in the place that we need to be, and we end up being over here in this place where fear reigns and it pushes God away and the power of God doesn't operate. And so because the power of God doesn't operate, all of a sudden, what does fear literally do? It connects you to the tragedy. Fear literally connects you to the tragedy. In Job, we talked about Job a few weeks ago, and Job said these words, The thing I feared the most has come upon me. Fear, because of its separation 
Because it separates you from God, connects you to the tragedy. Because the love of God protects you. The love of God keeps you. And so what's happening right now in our society and in our culture, it's evident by the empty seats around you. It's evident we're a society motivated by fear and not by love. And so what's happening? The decline is taking place. Now there'll be a few, there'll be a remnant, there'll be some that are here because they know they need to be there and they're not going to make any excuses for it and they're not going to give it any option like what Lee did this morning. I'm not going to give, give the option to the devil to present me something contrary to God. I will move in love. I will move in love. And so what does that mean? That means I'm growing in God. I know what I need to have by God. I'm, I'm, I know... That He loves me. And you see, that's just it. Here's the thing. Do you know why people really don't go after God? Because they really don't know Him. They really don't know how good He is. And then even when they do see... Here's the thing. Like with Israel, even when they, like with America after 9-1-1, even when they do see the goodness of God, they'll say, hmm... I think I'm gonna, my flesh is going to miss something. And they move out of that fear instead of staying put in God, in love. And so they'll start going after that thing. But there's always a remnant. There's always people that will say, I don't care what I see. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what it looks like. I will not be motivated by fear. I will not be motivated by my flesh. I will only be motivated by love. And you know what this world needs? If it's going to be saved, if it's going to have what needs to happen according to God, it needs a people that will stand up and say, I don't care what else I see. I'm going to do what I need to do. Period. I, look, and and you need to get this in your heart. I don't care if Pastor Brian never does another right thing in his life. I'm going to do what's right because God paid his life for me. And he may or may, Pastor Brian may or may not do the right thing, but by golly, I'm going to do the right thing. Because when we get to heaven, I'm not going to be giving Pastor Brian an account. Well, it's your fault. You never did the right thing. I'm going to be giving God an account who always did the right thing. I got to go after him. No matter what you do or you do or you do or you do, we got to go after him. And we got to get real with this thing where we say, look, I'm just not going to be motivated by fear anymore. I'm going to be motivated by love and love alone. That means, you know, not only, uh, you know, today we're kind of using the example of going to church, but not just going to church. How about in your personal life? When those decisions to do that thing that you really shouldn't be doing or not, to step out of it before you get too entrenched in the temptation. How about, how about, you know, to not say that thing that you really want to say because they just deserve it. Because they just treated you bad. But holding it back and saying, how does love answer this? Am I motivated by fear or am I motivated by love? 
Motivated by love also says, if I know who God is, I know I'm protected, I know I'm provided in Him, no matter what report I get, no matter what the bank account says, no matter what the doctors say, does not matter, I will stand in Him. That's what love says. I will trust Him. It might, it might look like the world's coming to an end. It might look like there's a storm raging all around you. Like Jesus when He was in the storm and the disciples were flipping out. They were in fear. He was in love. He was in faith on what the Father said. Or Paul when he was in the storm and there's this tempest, this huge hurricane and it just keeps circling them and circling them and it's destroying the boat and everything else. And Paul stands up and he says, I know that I am God. God's, whose I am. I'm God's. In the middle of the storm, are you motivated by fear? Are you motivated by love? Are you given even the option to fear? Are you leaving that out there? Are you finally getting to the place where you're saying, I am not going to be lukewarm and keep bouncing back and forth between fear and love all my life. I'm tired of this lukewarm junk and I'm ready to be on fire for God. I'm ready to be lit up. I'm tired of this. We talked about it a few weeks ago. When you're in that place where you got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, this is the most miserable place ever. I spent way too much time here. I can tell you this with great experience. And, 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 and almost the, the desire to go into depression, just thinking about it, it was awful. This is a bad place to be. It's horrible. Because you're not actually over here having fun in your flesh. You feel all guilty about that. But you're not over here actually moving in love either. And it's just, this is just such a wretched place. Being pulled between the Spirit of God and the corruption of your flesh. And it's awful. It's miserable. And the devil's like, I got him right where I want him. And who empowered him to hold you there but us ourselves? Being motivated by fear or being motivated by love. This society works really, really well on fear. And it should be working really, really, really well on love. Well, how does that change? Well, it doesn't change just with me preaching a good message only because you can hear it but not do it. So I can preach. You know, I, I heard, I think it was Keith Moore say one time, if, if the world alone was changed for great preaching, it would have been doing great a long time ago because there had been tons of great preaching. So there's this disconnect between the preaching that's been... Look, Jesus Himself, the perfect Lamb of God, came down and preached. Why didn't we all just go to heaven after that great preaching? If great preaching did it, we would have. But there's a disconnect between what you hear and what you actually live. What you hear and what you do. So somewhere between a message like this and what you actually do this afternoon and tomorrow and Tuesday, you've got to connect the two and hold them together in this thing called life. You've got to hold them together between here and there and say, this is how I live. 
I'm not, I'm not just living it by theory anymore. This is a, a practical reality to live in the love that I heard preached about, I put my faith on to, and now faith without works is dead, so I take action on those things of God that I've heard. How does it happen is just this. Each one of you, every single one of you, has to make a literal decision to say, I'm turning off all of the other options but God. Every other option, I'm releasing it. If it's not God, it's not an option to me. If it's not God, it's not an option to me. You need to get this in your heart, get it in your mind, have your mind set so clear on this that when the devil brings you an option and it's not God, instantly it's shut down because the decision is already made in your mind and in your heart. There's no decision to make. I, no, I don't, I don't even see it as a choice. If it's not God, it's not an option to me. The world changes when each one of us decides to do that. See, I've made decisions like that. And do I miss it sometimes? Yeah, sometimes I miss it. But here's the thing. When I miss it, somebody else standing strong will keep the boat afloat. When you miss it, somebody else standing strong will keep the boat afloat. Instead of us all sinking and drowning in the corruption of that sinful flesh, when we stand together, we can help build the burdens. Bear the burdens of one another. We can help build a foundation to support us all by all standing in a decision that if it's not God, it's not an option to me. When each one of us individually have made that choice, all of a sudden, here's the thing that happens. We all start to rise together. But there can't be a disconnect between what you read in the Bible, what you hear preached to you, what you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you to do, and what you actually do. You've got to say, I'm not going to allow these things to be disconnected anymore. I can't come in on Sunday or on Wednesday and go, oh yes, that sounds great. Amen, Brother Brian. Praise God. Woohoo! You can't do that. And then on Thursday, be like, no, nah, they told me off. Don't you she know who I am? You can't do that. I wanted to do one of these. I love it. I love it when I hit something that's just over that line and Barrett's hand goes, oh, God. did he just do that? Or Nicole goes like this. But see, that's the attitude that the world's taught us to live in. To disconnect because you don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. You're right. You don't deserve what God's given you. What do you really deserve? We don't even want to talk about it. What we deserve is not what we're going to get when we're in Christ. We may not... The Lord had me say this a few weeks ago because somebody said, I just don't feel like I deserve God's love. I said, you don't deserve it. But because of Jesus, you're worthy of it. You're worthy of the love of God. You definitely don't deserve it. Without Christ, you wouldn't be worthy of it. 
But once we recognize that I'm worthy because of the love of Christ, doesn't that demand if we're actually moving in love, if we're actually operating in love, doesn't that demand that we return love for love? That He deserves a harvest of the love that He sowed in us? Doesn't it demand fruit come out of that life that was planted in us? Doesn't it demand that? And do you see that it demands that? Or do you see that you have the option to say no to Christ and the Holy Spirit? If it's not of God, it doesn't need to be an option to you. It all depends on how you look at it. Because if you see that there's an option, the devil is also happy to open that door well when you start to see that this is not an option to do the things of God is the only choice that I have but I choose it lovingly and willingly not because he made me do it because he's not going to make you do it he's going to give you a choice because love is rooted in a choice but you have to say I don't even see it as a choice I only see one option that I have left and that's love. And whatever love requires and demands of me is what I will be found doing. Whatever love requires and demands of me is what I will be found doing. If it's not God, I don't see it as an option. Again, I'll say it for the third time. How does society change? Individually, when you take up that call and you make it yours. If you don't do it, then you're literally pulling away from the strength of the body of Christ when you could have added to it. The question is, am I for God and for the kingdom and for the people that he loves or am I against it? When you make the choice and see yourself as having options, as a child of God, seeing yourself as having an option to go against the things of God, to make choices against things that He said, you're pulling away from the strength of the body of Christ. You're pulling away from the kingdom of God. Don't let the devil pull you in the trap of fear and be motivated only by fear. Well, I'll go to God. I'll go to God when I need Him. You need Him now, you just don't recognize it. <laughs> For people that are watching this message, they'll get this gem. I'll put it out later. I've been planning it to put it up as a blog. And this may, this will catch your attention, I feel certain. Because I'm going to do a blog that says this. That says, stop making God your go-to booty call. Stop making God your go-to booty call. As soon as your flesh screams and yells out for something that it wants or needs, you got God on speed dial. It's the same thing. Nobody wants to be the person on the other end of a booty call. Even if they like that thing, even if they do it, inside of them, nobody wants to be that person. And I'm telling you that God doesn't want you to be that person. He doesn't want to be that person in your life either. He wants to be the person that you call on all the time because you love Him. You want to spend time with them because you love Him. 
You do things and you think about Him because you love Him. Stop making God your go-to booty call. I know that sounds, you know what? It sounds funny. It almost sounds irreverent. But the truth of the matter is, when we are motivated by fear instead of love, that's exactly what we're doing. I don't want to be that person. I never was in the habit, even when I was living for the world, of doing that. Even then, I thought, I thought this is just not the person I want to be, to be the kind of person that would make those phone calls. And yet, I found myself doing that with God as well. And became that. Because I would just call on Him when I needed something. When my flesh was screaming out, I'm in trouble, or I want this, or I want that. I want provision, I want finances, I want help. My flesh is screaming out, just like a, just like a drunk at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. My flesh screaming out, desiring the things of the flesh. And that is the position that I place God in. We place God in that position in America today. The church has done it as well. It's not just, not just unsaved people. The church has made this. Because we're not being moved by love. We're being moved by fear. And even if you just want the desires of the flesh, the fear is this. It's the fear of, I won't get what I want. And we've been moved by fear instead of love. Stop making God that. Stop putting Him on that pedestal. The booty call pedestal. Stop making Him that by living based off of fear instead of love. Right now, I know, I know there's conviction in the hearts. Not condemnation, but conviction that, that, hey, I've been doing that too. Let's just bow our heads. Make sure the camera's focused just on me so that nobody's embarrassed by anything. But if, you, if you've been in that place, and you put, put God in that place by, by making options available to yourself that should have never been options. You've been, you've been allowing yourself to call on God when your flesh screamed out for something it wanted. You've let comfort come between you and God. You've been motivated by fear instead of motivated by love. If that's you in any way, I'm, and it doesn't have to be a big way, it can be a small way. If that's you in any way, and today you're saying, Golly, oh my goodness, Brian, I've got to stop that. I must quit giving the devil options based off of ungodliness. I must stop. If that's you and you're saying, I've got to stop this today, and Lord, I want to change it. Just raise your hand as a sign of, hey, this is me. I need to change this. Whether it be a big thing or a little thing, it doesn't matter. It still needs to be repented of. Amen, I see all those hands. You know what? It, it, the truth of the matter is every single one of us has done this. Recently, probably. And we need a change of heart. We need a change of direction. We need to stop allowing the options outside of love to remain in our mindset. But to have a mindset 
on godliness. A mindset on his love. What am I doing? I need to be about the Father's business. This is why you're here. You're not here to go to a job and make a ton of money so that you can have a retirement. You're not here to do that. You're not here to, to have all of your feelings petted and meant, meant to make you feel good. Now that happens in God, but that's not what you're about. You're about loving on Him. You're about advancing the kingdom of God. And if you fail to see that on Monday morning when you clock in, you're missing it. You're outside of love. You're moving at the level of fear because, hey, if I don't go do this and if I don't start thinking about my job, then I, might, I fear that I'll lose something that I won't. So no matter how little or how big, we can't have the disconnect between the love of God and what we actually are doing. It doesn't just happen as a whole group. It happens individually that we make those choices. I don't have an option anymore. So if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, let's just all pray this prayer. Just say, Father, we repent for putting you in that place for being motivated by fear instead of love, and allowing options to be in our lives that godliness would never afford us. We only see one choice. One choice to believe. One choice to know. And one choice to act on. And that is to move in love. Lord, we call you Lord today. You are the director of our lives. You're our Savior. You poured out love for us. You poured out love for me. You sowed love into my life. By following your example. And your lead. I allow you to reap the harvest of that love today. I believe that you died for me, Jesus. And I believe that God raised you up. And this day, I renew my heart to you. I will not be lukewarm. I will not be cold. I will be on fire for you. My decisions are yours. I don't make them anymore. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Burn me up with your fire. Set me ablaze for you. Overfill me. Overflow me. In every way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> he said, party. That's right. We got to do what God's asked us to do. Do you see that? Do you see where the disconnect has been? Do you see that we cannot allow that? We cannot afford that ever again, ever in your life. You can never afford that. It's not okay. 
It's not even close to okay. It's not even, it shouldn't be even in the ballpark of okay. It's not okay. When, we've, when we have shown that in our lives by our action that it's okay, we've been saying that God is willing to not be God. God is willing to not be holy. You're a piece of Him. You're a child of Him. And you're basically saying that it's okay to live this way. It's not okay to live outside of love. It's not okay. It's not right. Because God's not that way. And you are his ambassador. You are his representative. There's no time that an ambassador from the United States should ever go and do and say anything contrary to the will of the country. Never. And we ought to see that as even more absolute. There's at no point that I have a right to say what I think and not what God thinks. No point that I have a right to go and act outside of love, outside of who God is himself. There's no point that I should think that I have the right to make up my own decisions once I've given myself. The question really is this, have you really made him your Lord? Or is it just by speech only? Because if he's your Lord, then he's directing every decision in your life. You're not making them anymore. You're giving yourselves over to him. And that really is the case that we're talking about today. Most people, they've said he's the Lord, but they're not living it. They've said he is that, that he's their Savior, he's their Lord. But they still make the decisions every day. And in their decision, they see options when there should be no option but love. We have a responsibility as a Christian people to not see any options if they're not godly. That's the way we should live. It's the way we should think. It's the way we should act. They have a service up in the National Cathedral for a whole other religion. A religion that happens right now to be, today, beheading people, killing children. We have a major denomination, you know, a major denomination in the U.S. Complete, getting ready to vote on something that's completely ungodly that somehow they have seen, I mean, it's very, very clear in the Word. And why is that? Because somewhere along the line, People who said, and this doesn't mean that they are, but they said that they are the Lord's, they said they are Christ, gave options to themselves that should have never been options. They said they were of the Lord's, but that doesn't mean that they were. That's why Jesus said many of them, many of them will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart, I never knew you. It's a real thing. Not a fear thing. But a, a, a call from God to get, let's get real with this. This is, yeah, um, did you have enough time to get to 2 Timothy? Um, <laughs> 2 Timothy <laughs> chapter 2 and verse 3. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
What does that mean, the hardship? Is it talking about it's really, really hard on you and you can't handle it? No, it's saying that the hardship of putting your flesh down. Your flesh is going to want to do one thing. You've got to go through and say, no flesh, you don't have the right to do that. You know, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. So what he's saying is it's not going to be hard to actually do it, but your flesh is going to want to present it to you as hard. In other words, go through that. Not saying that he also says you're going to have persecution, but you have to understand that even in the persecution, there's an ease to it when you know who you are in Christ. And the world may look at it and say it's hard, but he's saying, look, go through this. Do the hard thing. Do the tough thing. Put the flesh down. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse 4 No soldier in active service entangles himself. In the affairs of everyday life. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. So number one, if you're entangled in the affairs of this world, uh, Jesus told this parable. He said this. He said, he said, the sower goes out and then some of them are choked by the thorns. He said those thorns are the cares of the world. The ones that say, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. I'm living for this. If I work hard enough, I save enough money, I can get this and that and this and that. That's the cares of this world. Or maybe it's just the comfort of this world. He says, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. He's not thinking on these things. He's not meditating on that stuff. He's meditating on what does God have for me today. What does God want me to do? He doesn't see it as having options. Now it's either you don't see yourself as a soldier that God actually calls you, or maybe you see yourself as a soldier, but I'm not active right now, which you don't have a right to do. Or you're just being disobedient. If you find yourself in this place, and you know what, I've been in this place too. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Christ enlisted you, enlisted you into the army of God. Let us keep the pleasing of our Lord on the forefront of our mind so that we won't entangle ourselves, but we may accomplish the task that we have for just this vapor of a time. We're here for just a moment. I know it seems like we're here for a lifetime. (laughs) I know it seems like we're here for a lifetime. But it's not a lifetime that God considers a lifetime. God considers it this way. You're here but for just a moment. A vapor that's passing away. It's just poof and it's gone. That's how long. Your physical life is here on this earth. So see it for that. See yourself at just the beginning vapor of eternity while you're giving yourself to to God and saying, I owe you, if nothing else, specifically, especially in this vapor, I owe you everything that I have. And I give it to you lovingly. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as soldier. 
Let's keep pleasing of our Lord. The one who paid for you to live again. The one who gave his life eternally for you. Let's keep pleasing him in the forefront of our mind. The forefront of our heart. The forefront of our actions. And let's do what he's called us to do. Stop making excuses. Stop giving yourself options. And let's be who God's called us to be. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that through your word, we can be inspired. We can be activated. Lord, we can be the ambassadors that you've called us to be. Thank you, Father, that you've given us the strength to step into the promises and the life of God and overflow in that. Lord, we just praise you for it and we thank you for it. Lord, you've given us opportunity to partner with you for eternity. What a great opportunity it is. Let us not waste it. Let us not squander it. Let us not entangle ourselves in the life of this world. But Lord, let us be ensnared and entangled of you, in your life. In the will that you have for us. So that your will can be made manifest to others on this earth besides us. Father, we accept the challenge. We accept the call. We accept the drawing of the Holy Spirit to live and not disconnect from what we hear and what we know, but to stay on task and do what God's called us to do. We will be joyful. We will be thankful. We will be empowered and emboldened by your Holy Spirit. And we will be moved by your leading to do great exploits in this world. And we will not be moved by fear, but love will always empower us and spring us into every plan and every purpose that you have in our lives. Lord, we praise you for it and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day. What are you turning away?